Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Just search Hanukkah Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Paige Willett. This episode contains stories of tribal members and CPN departments contributing to the greater community, from enacting change through leadership roles to making communication easier and encouraging others to connect with their tribal culture through music. Near Citizen Potawatomi Nation headquarters, McLeod, Oklahoma is a small community of approximately 4,600 people and one of the many rural towns across the state with emergency communication issues. CPN turned on a new radio tower in fall 2019 to better serve first responders in Potawatomi County. Uh, well, we all kind of jumped in the vehicles and uh, we were bound and determined to find any dead spots, you know, that there might be in the area that the tower wasn't reaching. Rep Banks, fire chief for the city of McLeod, along with other firefighters from the department, took off in different directions across their jurisdiction. They joined Citizen Potawatomi Nation Emergency Communication Specialist Jody Opella and Emergency Management Director Tim Zintek in checking the reliability of the tribe's new emergency communications tower. While driving, they kept in contact for as long and as far as possible. We cover 66 square miles. And we also go into uh, Lincoln County as well. So I have eight square miles in Lincoln County. So it's a, it's a pretty nice size fire district. Definitely not the biggest, but uh, uh, we, we definitely get our, our, our share. And it, uh, we, we can't find any dead areas communications-wise now since this tower has been online. Banks has experienced radio and connection issues since he joined the department in 2005, and the dead spots put an undue burden on first responders we would hit those uh, uh, spots regularly in our county, especially in the uh, low-lying areas where we'd have a lot of, of vehicle accidents, those type of things. So it would be challenging at times when you're out on the scene trying to communicate with your dispatcher or other units responding to that scene or your ambulance service. The nation saw the upgraded tower located near the Fire Lake Express grocery store in McLeod as a safety necessity both for public and emergency personnel. Losing connectivity during dangerous situations, such as emergency vehicles being stuck in the mud, pose threats to life. The old system and new system now work in unison, and banks outlined the limit of the previous technology. Uh, we had a, a redundant radio systems to where we could do kind of a radio to radio, but uh, to get outside of that little bubble, that two-mile bubble or one mile, just depending on, on what the weather conditions may be, that can affect it. Uh, you would lose complete contact with your dispatch. The lengthy process of building and activating the McLeod Communications Tower began spring 2013 when a tornado wiped out the Steelman Estates Mobile Home Park near Bethel Acres, Oklahoma. While dispatching emergency services following the storm, first responders' communications with one another overloaded the network, causing it to crash. Banks says that it stopped with the new tower. We don't have those uh, uh, crash uh, crashes with the radio systems when we have those critical times. Uh, say like tornadoes, you know, large-scale events, anything like that. So it's, 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 it's been incredible. You know, it's a tremendous help. We don't lose that communication like we used to. 
CPN applied for the Tribal Homeland Security Grant Program from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, receiving funding totaling $2.4 million over six years. The tribe paid the additional cost to serve Pottawatomie County and took steps each year to move the process forward. CPN finished building the tower in August 2019 and began testing it for airs and coverage in October of the same year. I think we've tried so many things over the years that we were kind of skeptic, skeptical, I guess, in a way. It was great when we, we saw how well it worked. So, uh, you know, because we've, we've attempted a lot of different things over the years, and it just seems like it, it's a continue, it's a continual improvement. Geographically, the city of McLeod has areas of lower ground, one between two housing additions. In the past, weak signals left it as a dead spot. The new tower bridges the area and provides clear audio, and Banks appreciates the effort to make it a priority. They put a lot of thought into it and, and, and was able to build it in a, in a place in our community that would reach out to those low-lying areas and build it tall enough to where it would reach those low-lying areas. So it was really well thought through, and uh, it's, it's evident you know, to us daily of how much, uh, uh, how much they thought they put into that to be able to reach those areas for us. The implemented system uses a LTE signal in addition to traditional bandwidth. Its large capacity gives it the ability to handle signal traffic that comes with a major disaster, and new compatible equipment for vehicles and personnel costs less for the new system than the previous one. It is the first of its kind in Oklahoma, and Banks hopes the cutting-edge improvements continue. There's a lot of exciting things uh, uh, happening with our partnership with the tribe, and uh, we just appreciate them tremendously. Uh, they've done a lot, of, lot for us, and uh, it does not go unnoticed. The new tower covers the northern section of Pottawatomie County, including the Grand Casino Hotel and Resort, and reaches north into Lincoln County and the three counties south of the South Canadian River. It goes as far as portions of Murray County, a distance of approximately 70 miles. CPN is planning on improvements in southern Pottawatomie County in coming years. Before the creator formed the world, the sound of the shishiguin, or rattle, filled the void with a steady rhythm. Many Potawatomi liken them with the ability to give life in Nishnabe tradition. Rattles imitate the resonance of water ranging from sprinkles hitting the bark on a tree to a thunderstorm. It all depends on the materials used, the size of the container, and the pieces that fill it. Pokakan Band of Potawatomi citizen Jason Weesaw began making rattles 15 years ago. They all have uh, they all have a different look. They all have a different feel in your hand, and then they all have a different sound too. He has gifted and sold hundreds in Potawatomi communities across the continent. Weesaw sticks to the style he developed through practice, and the possibilities keep the process enjoyable. I use anything from copper BBs to uh, small little stones that I collect from uh, the shoreline of Lake Michigan. So just real tiny little stones. Um, you can also use things like bean or beans or corn to uh, fill in uh, the shaker head of the rattle. Reagan Marcy, a member of the women's drum group Dwekenquek, owns a couple of rattles family members and friends made for her. This rattle was gifted to me from my dad and it's in the shape of a bear, and it looks like, yeah, those are popcorn kernels inside. <laughs> and so <laughs> it has a cool, a cool noise to it. 
With a society founded on oral traditions, Anishinaabe people utilize music as an essential part of ceremonies and social gatherings. Handmade rattles are one of the most common Potawatomi instruments with a rich history, and saw recognizes that importance of their connection to song. Our songs originated out of, out of prayer, out of communication to the Great Spirit, to Kashem Nadol. And so that's, that's where uh, drums and rattles were the importance in our traditional culture where they, where they come in, is because they accompany our voice and sing in those songs. We saw learned how to make drums from his grandfather, who had a lifetime of experience in the craft work. However, no one we saw knew made rattles, which left him to teach himself. He began studying them during a trip to Canada. I mean, that might sound real simple. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a rawhide rattle and it's attached to the handle. But within that, you can, there's limitless different combinations that you can do. To make a rattle, we saw begins with picking a medium to form the head, such as deer, cow, or elk hide. He prefers the latter for its crisp sound. He then dyes the material. That could be either commercial dyes, like a writ dye that you might find in the store, or you can go out and use natural dyes. That could be berry, could be different roots. There's even a couple of different barks that you can use and just get really nice, rich, organic colors. Next comes soaking the rawhide until it becomes malleable for shaping. However, it is still tough even when it's wet. He then follows different patterns for cutting and stitching the rattle together. When you stuff it, then all of a sudden the, the rattle will take its shape. And so after it's, you stuff it enough to get the shape that I'm looking for, then I let it dry. Then he fills the head with something to give each shaker its signature sound and attaches the handle. You know, you can have like a simple oak dowel handle, or I've used things like deer antlers. I've gone out and collected my own handles out of the forest and made them out of things like red willow, sassafras, maple. We saw sometimes looks at a few of his fabrications from before he fine-tuned his skills and found his style. Seeing them now, he feels less than impressed, but encourages all artists and craftspeople to keep creating. He now teaches about four rattle-making classes a year in different indigenous communities. We saw enjoys passing on art forms used for thousands of years and inspiring his students to connect with their ancestors. You can't really rescue our language and produce fluent speakers without um, people having a connection to our ceremonies. You can't have ceremonies without a connection to our songs. And you can't, you know, all these, all these things are so interconnected that, you know, sometimes if a person makes a rattle or a drum, that's kind of like their entryway back into our traditional culture. Many rattle songs celebrate the time of day, such as the morning song, or pay tribute to Mbish, water, or Sukmakwe, Mother Earth. Different events or occasions inspire each one, including some powwow songs. Crafting an instrument for personal use gives participation another layer of meaning, according to Wesaw. When, when you do something yourself, whether it's a rattle, a drum, um, making your own regalia, composing your own songs, anything that a person does themselves, they're actually putting their own spirit into that work. 
The Potawatomi Gift Shop carries a limited number of Jason Weesaw's rattles and smudge balls for sale at PotawatomiGifts.com. You can find him on Facebook at Jason Weesaw, the Art of Condition Studio. CPN chose Trey Trousdale for the Potawatomi Leadership Program in 2018 after his freshman year of college at Oklahoma City University. Since then, he's taken on leading the student body as the Student Government Association President. He sat down with Hanukkah Podcast to discuss his time as the first Native American leader of the organization in the university's history. I noticed that we were beginning to sort of lose um, a sense of purpose and beginning to lose sort of trust with, from the student body with the organization. And so that was something I wanted to uh, assist in bolstering in throughout the year. So I decided to run to really sort of redefine the organization. How did it feel, uh, you know, being elected, having uh, your peers say that they wanted you in this leadership position? It was a great honor to find out that I had won. Um, I was actually sitting in the parking lot of my fraternity house, headed into an executive meeting. Uh, so it was one of the greatest memories I have is sort of just sitting there watching the sunset from my car by myself when I found that out. Um, but it was something that made me think really twice about like what it meant to be a student at Oklahoma City University and now what it meant to sort of represent all of the student body. And you were the first Native American elected as the student body president at OCU, correct? That is correct. So I was the first Native American. Um, I am currently serve as an American Indian scholar at OCU, one of six that we've got on campus right now. Uh, so adding the ability to sort of scratch that off the list of individuals that have served as student body president was uh, absolutely amazing. So during your time as president, what are some of the initiatives and goals that you have really set out to accomplish? Starting out, something we'd run on in our campaign and something we knew that was needed to be a top priority was rebranding Student Government Association as an organization. We were able to work with the de our Department of Communications on campus and develop a new logo, as well as go through and completely um, rebrand every governing document, rebrand every piece of paper that was coming out of that office. I believe when we took office, there were five separate student government association logos that were being used across campus. So really getting that integrated brand promotion and placement was one of our top priorities. Uh, with that, we also were able to go through and completely redo all of our governing documents, beginning with our constitution, into our bylaws, the standing rules for each of the individual branches, and then the election rules for this upcoming year. We were able to immediately begin working on a, the PAD initiative. PAD stands for pads and tampons. That was something that had been brought to our SGA chief of staff that needed to be addressed on campus that wasn't being answered. So that was an area in which SGA could help provide feminine hygiene products in all of the bathrooms across campus. We have also been able to sort of work with different university departments, whether that be university counseling services, dining and residence life, things like that, things that are affecting the student experience. And I think that that work that we've been able to do, as well as the projects and initiatives that we've been able to physically show to our students, have really sort of worked in tandem to redefine what it means to be an effective SGA and to use SGA as a resource on campus. OCU has been having some problems with um, some racial sensitivity issues in the past academic year. How have you been involved in 
starting helpful conversation around those for the student body? We've been able to tackle those issues in many different ways. Um, Working hand-in-hand with the office of our university president, Martha Berger, we were able to set up recurring one-on-ones between the student body president and the institution president. That's something that's never been really instituted at OCU and I think has proved extremely effective in not only student voices being heard, but also the university and the student body being seen as working together rather than trying to splinter on issues such as that. It also allowed for our Secretary of Diversity and Inclusion. This is the first time the SGA's had that executive level position that directly advises the student body president. And we were able to sort of work with the Black Student Association in appointing that individual to the executive cabinet and then assist in formulating roundtable discussions between that individual, President Berger, and the members of our multicultural coalition. The multicultural coalition is also something SGA was able to start this year. The multicultural coalition is uh, representatives from all of the multicultural organizations that we have on campus that report directly to the Secretary of Diversity and Inclusion. So it's direct advising of what SGA needs to be doing. It's direct um, sort of points of information that we may need to know as we go through dealing and representing all of OCU's student body. Why do you feel like these new positions and these conversations with minority students are so important that you spent this time as student body president getting these ideas off the ground? Personally, as an individual of color in a primarily white institution, it is extremely easy to feel like your voice isn't being heard or that your voice isn't being valued in those larger sort of institutional conversations that are being had. I also felt that over the past few years, we've noticed OCU's getting more and more diverse. And I think that's just sort of the trend in higher education. It's a diversifying field. And in that way, SGA can help lead the way for OCU to become more receptive to those individuals, become more of a welcoming and equitable environment for students from all different backgrounds. You were chosen for the 2018 class of the Potawatomi Leadership Program, which is a summer internship here with the tribe. So how has your experience as part of the PLP helped in your position as class president this past year? One of the amazing things about PLP is the culminating project at the end. That project really, I think, challenges you to think in a visionary way and challenge the status quo and what we know of Citizen Potawatomi Nation at the time. It challenges you to sort of make a repair or institute a program that you'd like to see done. And I think that that was so helpful in developing sort of those strategic strategic and collaborative skills in not only working with different departments, but also working with other leaders within your own age group that I've been able to use in developing sort of what that vision looks like in implementation and presenting it to tribal leadership. Today, that equates to developing a program for SGA, attempting to execute it, and then presenting it to the Board of Trustees. To find out more about the Potawatomi Leadership Program, visit plp.potawatomi.org. It's time for learning language when CPN Language Department Director Justin Neely teaches vocabulary, songs, stories, and more. Today's vocabulary lesson focuses on health and the human body. So today we were going to talk a little bit about uh, health and body parts. One thing to keep in mind with body parts with Potawatomi is they are possessed. 
No, that doesn't mean there's like an evil spirit in your body. What I mean by possessed is it's someone's arm. It's it's his arm. It's her arm. You don't just have random body parts laying around in your village like, oh, who's, whose hand is that over there? So they're possessed. So it's my arm, your arm, uh, and whatnot. So some of the words that we have today, we have dao kwe. He or she has a headache. Dao kwe. We nindip. Brain. We nindip. Ninjin, our hands, ninjin. And then if you're just talking about one hand, it's just nech. Nech would be one hand. So nech, ganech would be your hand. Ganinjin would be your hands. Bogzade is a swollen foot. Bogzade. And that zet at the end, that means foot. And when you, when you put that e at the end of it, it kind of changes it into a verb. And bog means something that's swollen. So you could say you could say like your arm was swollen. You could say bog nuke to have an, a swollen arm. So you can use that bog in different ways. De or nde nde is my heart, and that word that de you see it show up on a lot of different words. Um, de wagon is a drum. It's that it's the sound of that heartbeat. Um, Damon is a strawberry. It's a heartberry, but also in the word jdea. Um, which is to think, so it's thinking in a very heartfelt type way. So you see that day show up in different things. Dewapne, heart problems, dewapne. And that apne at the end kind of means a sickness or an illness. Um, if you just said napne, just a, any type of particular illness. And so here we're talking about in particular your heart, so dewapne. Khan is a bone, khan. Manopmadzawin is good health or good life. And that word is a little bit um, kind of hard to explain in English somewhat because we're not just talking about good physical health. We're talking about spiritual health. We're talking about mental well-being and physical. Um, but we're also, when we say we're talking about kind of having a connection to all of those things that make us Padwami, you know, understanding some of our stories, understanding some of our language, you know, participating in the culture, you know, having that truly, that good life, that good health in its completeness, if you will. Manop Madzawin. Uh, a lot of times there's a lot of depth to a lot of our words. Bipiste, bipiste is your lung, bipiste. Manop Madze, he or she is healthy or living good, Manop Madze. Again, like I was saying earlier, it's really talking about a complete physical, mental, spiritual way of living that you're all of those things are kind of in harmony if you will niao is my body niao giao would be your body giao but niao my body pesquaji pesquaji is pregnant and there's actually several words we have for for pregnant this one actually in particular is kind of talking about the shape of of a woman's belly Pesquegi is also a word that we use sometimes in reference to like a balloon. So it has kind of like that elongated kind of belly shape to shape to one's belly. Another word that sometimes you'll hear uh, for somebody who's with child is nijanse, somebody who's with child. And there's even some other words that we use for describing uh, the pregnancy itself because our language is very descriptive in nature. Mskwe is blood, mskwe. No, it's not a coincidence that that word is very close to the word mshkwa, which means red. Mshkwa, get it's red because, you know, blood is red, uh, at least when it comes out. 
I know inside of the body it's, it's blue, but mskwe, blood. Bamadze, he or she is alive, bamadze. Um, if you want to say, I'm alive, you could say, nidibamadis, I'm living. Sometimes I'll joke around with people and they'll ask me, you know, nidjana, how are you? And I'll say, megwa nidibamadis, I'm still living. So that's a good thing. And that, that essence of life and that side of that word, that, that a, that odd, is kind of that part that's talking about something that's living or animate in nature. That bame at the front is kind of going, talking about how things are in motion. So it's kind of like you're going along, living, and then that ze at the end is, is a state of being. So he or she is in that state of being alive. So going along, living in that state of being is maybe a little deeper understanding of that word, bamadze. Nuk is arm, nuk. Yaknoge is sick, yaknoge. And again, this is just your general, you know, I'm sick. Uh, there's lots of ways to talk about sickness. You can talk about specific illnesses, specific diseases, um, and things that are going on, or certain aches and pains, if you will. But this is just your, kind of your generic, I'm sick. And when you say, I'm sick, you say, ndaknoga, ndaknoga, I'm sick. Gadaknogane, are you sick? And then yaknoge, he or she is sick. So it changes a little bit. Kat is leg and kat. Again, usually you would you'd say like nakat my leg or gakat your leg. Bagaji wapne flu. Bagaji wapne. Bagaji just means like a little bit. So what you're really saying it's a sickness, but kind of a little bit of a sickness. I guess depending on what kind of flu you got, it may be a little more intense for you. It might be more like a 48 hour flu. But bagaji wapne. Uh, and bagaji by itself can be used to indicate like a little of something. Like if somebody said to you, you know, shonyane kadeton, do you have any money? Uh, bagaji, a little bit, bagaji. Yakmedmoen, yakmedmoen is an ache or a pain. Yakmedmoen, and this is a noun form of this of this word, and it's again, it's it's an any type of ache or pain that you might be having. It's got that yak, like we have in yaknoge as part of that word, yakmedmoen. And those are just a few body part words that we wanted to share with you today. Um, miigwech. For more information and opportunities with language, including self-paced classes, visit cpn.news backslash language. You can also find an online dictionary at potawatomidictionary.com, as well as videos on YouTube. There are also Potawatomi courses on the language learning app, Memrise. Comic-Con Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Our director is Jennifer Bell. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find what you listen to. We're also on Facebook at Citizen Potawatomi Nation and on Twitter at C underscore P underscore N. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A w-a-t-o-m-i dot org. Until next time, I'm Paige Willett. Miigwech nikanek, bamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.